Section 34 of London Labour and the London Poor, Volume 2, by Henry Mayhew. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Recording by Gillian Hendry. Of the Streets of London. There are now three modes of pavement in the streets of the metropolis. One, the stone pavement, commonly composed of Aberdeen granite. Two, the macadamised pavement, or rather, road. Three, the wood pavement. The stone pavement has generally, in the several towns of England, been composed of whatever material the quarries or rocks of the neighbourhood supplied, limestone being often thus used. In some places, where there were no quarries available, the stones of a river or rivulet side were used, but these were rounded and slippery, and often formed but a rugged pathway. For London pavement, the neighbourhood not being rich in stone quarries, Granite has usually been brought by water from Scotland, and a small quantity from Guernsey for the pavement of the streets. The stone pavement is made by the placing of the granite stones, hewn and shaped ready for the purpose, side by side, with a foundation of concrete. The concrete now used for the London street pavement is Thames ballast, composed of shingles or small stones, and mixed with lime, and so on. Macadamisation was not introduced into the streets of London until about twenty-five years ago. Before that, it had been carried to what was accounted a great degree of perfection on many of the principal mail and coach roads. Some fifty miles of the Great North Road, or that between London and Carlisle, were often pointed out as an admirable specimen of road-making on Macadam's principles. This road was well known in the old coaching days as Lemming Lane, running from Borough Bridge to Greta Bridge in Yorkshire. The first thoroughfare in London which was macadamised, a word adapted from the name of Sir W. Macadam, the originator or great improver of the system, was St. James's Square. After that, some of the smaller streets in the aristocratic parishes of St. James and St. George were thus paved, and then, but not without great opposition, Piccadilly, the opposition to the macadamising of the latter thoroughfare assumed many forms. Independently of the conflicting statements as to extravagance and economy, it was urged by the opponents that the dust and dirt of the new style of paving would cause the street to be deserted by the aristocracy, that the noiselessness of the traffic would cause the deaths of the deaf and infirm, that the aristocracy promoted this new-fangled street-making that they might the better sleep o' nights, regardless of all else. One writer especially regretted that the Duke of Queensbury, popularly known as Old Q, who resided at the western end of Piccadilly, had not lived to enjoy, undisturbed by vulgar noises, his bed of down, until it was his hour to rise and take his bath of perfumed milk. In short, there was all the fuss and absurdity which so often characterise local contests. The macadamised street is made by a layer of stones, broken small and regular in size, and spread evenly over the road, so that the pressure and friction of the traffic will knead, grind, crush, and knit them into one compact surface. Until road-making became better understood, or until the early part of the present century, the roads even in the suburbs immediately connected with London, such as Islington, Kingsland, Stoke Newington and Hackney, were repaired when they wanted it. If there were a rut or a hole, 
it was filled up or covered over with stones and as the drivers usually avoided such parts for the sake of their horses' feet, another rut was speedily formed alongside of the original one. Under the old system, road mending was patchwork. Defects were sought to be remedied, but there was little or no knowledge of constructing or of reconstructing the surface as a whole. The wood pavement came last, and was not established even partially until eleven or twelve years ago. One of the earliest places so paved was the Old Bailey, in order that the noise of the street traffic might be deadened in the criminal courts. The same plan was adopted alongside some of the churches and other public buildings, where external quietude, or at any rate diminished noise, was desired. At the first there were great complaints made, and frequent expostulations addressed to the editors of the newspapers as to the slipperiness of the wooden ways. The wood pavement is formed of blocks of wood, generally deal, fitted to one another by grooves, by joints, or by shape, for close adjustment. They are placed on the road over a body of concrete, in the same way as granite. In constructing roads, or rather streets, through towns or cities, where the amount of traffic is considerable, it will be found desirable, says Mr. Law, in his Treatise on the Constructing and Repairing of Roads, to pave their surface. The advantages belonging to pavements in such situations over macadamised roads are considerable. Where the latter are exposed to an incessant and heavy traffic, their surface becomes rapidly worn, rendering constant repairs requisite, which are not only attended with very heavy expense, but also render the road very unpleasant for being travelled upon while being done. They also require much more attention in the way of scraping or sweeping, and in raking in ruts, and some difficulty would be experienced in towns to find places in which the materials, which would be constantly wanted for repairing the road, could be deposited. In dry weather the macadamised road would always be dusty, and in wet weather it would be covered with mud. The only advantage which such a road really possesses over a pavement is the less noise produced by carriages in passing over it, but this advantage is very small when the pavement is properly laid. Concerning wood pavements, the same gentleman says, Of late years, wood has been introduced as a material for paving streets, and has been rather extensively employed both in Russia and America. It has been tried in various parts of London, and generally with small success the cause of its failure being identical with the cause of the enormous sums being spent annually in the repairs of the streets generally, namely, the want of a proper foundation, a want which was sooner felt with wood than with granite, in consequence of the less weight and inertia of the wood. The comfort resulting from the use of wooden pavement, both to those who travelled and those who lived in the streets, from the diminished jolting and noise, was so great that it is just matter of surprise that so little care was taken in forming that which a very little consideration would have shown to be indispensable to its success, namely, a good foundation. Slipperiness of its surface, in particular states of the weather, was also found to be a disadvantage belonging to wooden pavement, but means might be devised which would render its surface at all times safe and afford a secure footing for horses. As regards durability, it has scarcely been used for a sufficient period to allow a comparison being made with other materials, 
but from the result of some observations communicated by Mr. Hope to the Scottish Society of Arts, it appears that wooden blocks, when placed with the end of the grain exposed, wear less than granite. At first sight, this result might appear questionable, but it is a well-ascertained fact that where wood and iron move in contact with machinery, the iron generally wears more rapidly than the wood, the reason appearing to be that the surface of the wood soon becomes covered with particles of dust and grit, which become partially embedded in it, and while they serve to protect the wood, convert its surface into a species of file, which rapidly wears away whatever it rubs against. Such, then, are the different modes of constructing the London roads or streets. I shall now endeavour to show the relative length and relative cost of the streets, thus severally prepared for the commercial, professional and pleasurable transit of the metropolis. The comparative extent of the macadamised, of the stone and of the wood pavement of the streets of the metropolis has not as yet been ascertained, for no general account has appeared condensing the reports, returns, accounts, and so on, of the several specific bodies of management into one grand total. It is, however, possible to arrive at an approximation as to the comparative extent I have spoken of, and in this attempt at approximation, in the absence of all means of a definite statistical computation, I have had the assistance of an experienced and practical surveyor familiar with the subject, Academization prevails beyond the following boundaries, north of the new road and of its extension as the city road, and westward of the new road's junction with Lisson Grove, westward of Park Lane and of the West End Parks, eastward of Brick Lane, Spitalfields, and of the Whitechapel High Street, southward on the Surrey side from the new cut and Long Lane, Bermondsey, and both in the eastern and western direction of Southwark, Lambeth, and the other southern parishes. Stone pavement, on the other hand, prevails in the district which may be said to be within this boundary, bearing down upon the Thames in all directions. It is doubtlessly the fact that in both the districts thus indicated, exceptions to the general rule may prevail, that in one, for instance, there may be some miles of macadamised way, and in the other some miles of granite pavements. But such exceptions, I am told by a commissioner of paving, may fairly be dismissed as balancing each other. The wooden pavement, I am informed on the same authority, does not now comprise five miles of the London thoroughfares. Little notice, therefore, need be taken of it. The miles of streets in the city, in which stone only affords the street medium of locomotion, are 50. The stone pavement in the localities outside of this area are six times, or approaching to seven times the extent of that in the city. I have no actual admeasurement to demonstrate this point, for none exists, and no private individual can offer to measure hundreds of miles of streets in order to ascertain the composition of their surface. But the calculation has been made for me by a gentleman thoroughly conversant with the subject and well acquainted with the general relative proportion of the defined districts, parishes and boroughs of the metropolis. We have thus the following result as regards the inner police district, or metropolis proper. Granite-paved streets, 400 miles. Macadamised streets or roads, 1,350 miles. Wood streets, 5. Total, 1,755. 
This may appear a disproportionate estimate, but when it is remembered that the inner police district of the metropolis extends as far as Hampstead, Tooting, Brentford and Greenwich, it will be readily perceived that the relative proportions of the macadamised and paved roads are much about the same as is here stated. As to the cost of these several roads, I will, before entering upon that part of the subject, state the prices of the different materials used in their manufacture. Aberdeen granite is now £1.5 shillings per tonne, delivered and prepared for paving, or, as it is often called, pitching. A tonne of 7-inch granite, that is, granite sunk 7 inches in the ground, will cover from 2 and 3 quarters to 3 square yards, superficial measure, or 9 feet per yard. The cost, labour included, is therefore from 9 shillings to 12 shillings the square yard. This appears very costly, but in some of the more quiet streets, such as those in the immediate neighbourhood of Golden and Fitzroy squares, a good granite pavement will endure for 20 years, requiring little repair. In other streets, such as Cheapside, for instance, it lasts from three to four years, without repavement being necessary, supposing the best construction has been originally adopted. For macadamised streets, where there is a traffic like that of Tottenham Court Road, three layers of small broken granite a year are necessary, the cost of this repavement being about two shillings sixpence a yard superficial measure. The repairs and relayings on macadamised roads of regular traffic range from four shillings to six shillings sixpence yearly the square yard. The wood pavement, which endures with a trifling outlay for repairs for about three years, costs on an average 11 shillings the square yard. The concrete used as a foundation in this street construction costs 4 shillings sixpence a cube yard, or 27 feet, by which admeasurement it is always calculated. A cube yard of Thames ballast weighs about one and a quarter tonne. The average cost of street building, new, taking an average breadth, or about 10 yards, from footpath to footpath, is then, granite built, £96 per mile, macadamised, £44 per mile, wood, £88 per mile, or, as a total, 400 miles of granite paved streets, at £96 per mile, £38,400. 1,350 macadamised ditto, at £44 per mile, £59,400. 5 wood ditto, at £88 per mile, £440. Total, £98,240. This then, at about £100,000, is the original cost of the roads of the metropolis. The cost of repairs and so on annually is shown by the amount of the paving rate, which may be taken as an average. 400 miles of granite at 20 shillings per mile, 400 pounds. 1,350 macadamised ditto at 13 pounds 4 shillings per mile, 17,820 pounds. 5 wood ditto at 20 shillings per mile, 5 pounds. Total, 18,225 pounds. Note, for the wooden repairs, this relates merely to the repairs to the wooden pavement, but if a renewal of the blocks be necessary, then the cost approaches that of a new road, 
and a renewal is considered necessary about once in three years. End note. According to a general survey of the Metropolitan Highways by Mr. Thomas Hughes, the principal roads leading out of London are 1. The Cambridge Road, from Shoreditch through Kingsland, 2. The Epping and Chelmsford Roads, from Whitechapel through Bow and Stratford, 3. The Barking Road, along the Commercial Road past Limehouse, 4. The Dover Road, from the Elephant and Castle, across Blackheath, 5. The Brighton Roads, A through Croydon, B through Sutton, 6. The Guildford Road, along the Westminster Road through Battersea and Wandsworth, 7. The Staines, or Great Western Road, from Knightsbridge through Brentford, 8. The Amersham and Aylesbury Road, along the Harrow Road, and through Harrow on the Hill, 9. The St Albans Road, along the Edgware Road through Elstree, 10. The Oxford Road, from Bayswater through Ealing, 11. The Great Hollyhead Road, and 12. The Great North Road, both from Islington, by and through Barnet. As to the amount of resistance to traction offered by different kinds of pavement, or the same pavement under different circumstances, the following are the general results of the experiments made by M. Morin, at the expense of the French government. First, the traction is directly proportional to the load, and inversely proportional to the diameter of the wheel. Second, upon a paved or hard macadamised road, the resistance is independent of the width of the tyre when it exceeds from three to four inches. Third, at a walking pace the traction is the same under the same circumstances for carriages with springs and without them. Fourth, upon hard macadamised and upon paved roads the traction increases with the velocity, the increments of traction being directly proportional to the increments of velocity above the velocity 3.28 feet per second, or about two and a quarter miles per hour. The equal increment of traction thus due to each equal increment of velocity is less as the road is more smooth, and the carriage less rigid or better hung. Fifth, upon soft roads of earth or sand or turf, or roads fresh and thickly gravelled, the traction is independent of the velocity. Sixth, Upon a well-made and compact pavement of hewn stones, the traction at a walking pace is not more than three-fourths of that upon the best macadamised roads under similar circumstances. At a trotting pace it is equal to it. Seventh, the destruction of the road is in all cases greater as the diameters of the wheels are less, and it is greater in carriages without than with springs. In Sir H. Parnell's book on roads, page 73, we are told that Sir John McNeill, by means of an instrument invented by himself for measuring the tractive force required on different kinds of road, obtained the following general results as to the power requisite to move a ton weight under ordinary circumstances at a very low velocity. On a well-made pavement, 33 pounds force required. On a road made with six inches of broken stone of great hardness, laid either on a foundation of large stones set in the form of a pavement, or upon a bottoming of concrete, 46 pounds of force. On an old flint road, or a road made with a thick coating of broken stone, laid on earth, 65 pounds of force. 
on a road made with a thick coating of gravel laid on earth, 147 pounds of force. In the same work, the relative degrees of resistance to traction on the several kinds of roads are thus expressed. On a timber surface, 2. On a paved road, 2. On a well-made broken stone road in a dry, clean state, 5. On a well-made broken stone road covered with dust, 8. On a well-made broken stone road wet and muddy, 10. On a gravel or flint road in a dry, clean state, 13. On a gravel or flint road in a wet, muddy state, 32. Of the traffic of London. I have shown, at page 159, volume 2, that the number of miles of streets included in the inner district of the Metropolitan Police is 1,750. Mr. Peter Cunningham, in his excellent Handbook of Modern London, tells us that the streets of the metropolis, if put together, would measure 3,000 miles in length. But he does not inform us what limits he assigns to the said metropolis. It would seem, however, that he refers to the outer police district, and in another place he cites the following as the extent of some of the principal thoroughfares. New Road, 5,115 yards long, or nearly three miles. Oxford Street, 2,304 yards long, or nearly one and a half miles. Regent Street, 1,730 yards long, or nearly one mile. Piccadilly, 1,690 yards long. City Road, 1,690 yards long. Strand, 1,396 yards long. Of the two great lines of streets parallel to the river, the one extending along Oxford Street, Holborn, Cheapside, Cornhill and Whitechapel to the Regent's Canal Mile End is, says Mr. McCulloch, above six miles in length, while that which stretches from Knightsbridge along Piccadilly, the Haymarket, Palmall East, the Strand, Fleet Street, Watling Street, East Cheap, Tower Street, and so on by Ratcliffe Highway to the West India Docks, is, according to the same authority, about equal in length to the other. Mr. Wheel asserts, as we have already seen, that the greatest length of street from east to west is about 14 miles, and from north to south, about 13 miles. The number of streets in London is said to be 10,000, though upon what authority the statement is made, and within what compass it is meant to be applied, I have not been able to ascertain. It is calculated, however, that there are 1,900 miles of gas mains laid down in London and the suburbs, so that adopting the estimate of the commissioners of police, or 1,760 miles of streets, within an area of about 90 square miles, we cannot go far wrong. Now, as to the amount of traffic that takes place daily over this vast extent of paved road, it is almost impossible to predicate anything definitely. As yet, there are only a few crude facts existing in connection with the subject. All we know is that the London streets are daily traversed by 1,500 omnibuses. Such was the number of drivers licensed by the Metropolitan Commissioners in 1850, and about 3,000 cabs. The number of drivers licensed in 1850 was 5,000, but many cabs have a day and night driver as well, and the return from the stamp and tax office cited below 
represents the number of licensed cabriolets in 1849 at 2,846. Besides these public conveyances, there are the private carriages and carts, so that the metropolitan vehicles may be said to employ altogether upwards of 20,000 horses. In the Morning Chronicle I said, when treating of the London omnibus drivers and conductors, quote, The average journey as regards the distance travelled by each omnibus is six miles, and that distance is, in some cases, travelled twelve times a day, or, as it is called, six there and six back. Some omnibuses perform the journey only ten times a day, and some, but a minority, a less number of times. Now, taking the average distance travelled by each omnibus at between 45 and 50 miles a day, and this, I am assured, on the best authority, is within the mark, while 60 miles a day might exceed it. And computing the omnibuses running daily at 1,500, we find a travel, as it was worded to me, of upwards of 70,000 miles daily, or a yearly travel of more than 25 million miles, an extent which is upwards of a thousand times more than the circumference of the earth, and that this estimate in no way exceeds the truth is proved by the sum annually paid to the excise for mileage, which amounts on an average to nine pounds each bus per month, or collectively to one hundred and sixty-two thousand pounds per annum, and this, at a penny halfpenny per mile, the rate of duty charged, gives 25,920,000 miles as the aggregate distance travelled by the entire number of omnibuses every year through the London streets. End quote. The distance travelled by the London cabs may be estimated as follows. Each driver may be said to receive on an average 10 shillings a day all the year through. Now the number of licences prove that there are 5,000 cab drivers in London, and as one of these must travel at the least 10 miles in order to obtain the daily 10 shillings, we may safely assert that the whole 5,000 go over 50,000 miles of ground a day, or in round numbers 18,250,000 miles in the course of the year. According to a return obtained by Mr. Charles Cochran from the Stamp and Tax Office Somerset House, there were in the metropolis in 1849-50 to 50, the following number of horses. Private carriage, job and cart horses in London, 3,683. Ditto in Westminster, 6,339. Cabriolets licensed, 2,846, having two horses each, 5,692 horses. Omnibuses licensed, 1,350 four horses each, 5,500 horses. Total number of horses in the metropolis, 21,214. I am assured by persons well acquainted with the omnibus trade that the number of omnibus horses here cited is far too low, as many proprietors employ ten horses to each bus, and none less than six. Hence we may fairly assume that there are at the least 25,000 horses at work every day in the streets of London. Besides the horses above mentioned, it is estimated that the number daily coming to the metropolis from the surrounding parts is 3,000, and calculating that each of the 25,000, which may be said to be at work out of the entire number, travels 8 miles a day, 
the aggregate length of ground gone over by the whole would amount to 200,000 miles per diem, or about 70 million miles throughout the year. There are, as we have seen, upwards of 1,750 miles of streets in London. It follows, therefore, that each piece of pavement would be traversed no less than 40,000 times per annum, or upwards of a 100 times a day, by some horse or vehicle. As I said before, the facts that have been collected concerning the absolute traffic of the several parts of London are of the most meagre description. The only observations of any character that have been made upon the subject are, as far as my knowledge goes, those of Mr. Darcy, which are contained in a French report upon the roads of London, as compared with those of Paris. This gentleman, speaking of the relative number of vehicles passing and repassing over certain parts of the two capitals, says, quote, The boulevards of Paris are the parts where the greatest traffic takes place. On the boulevard de Capuchin, there pass every 24 hours 9,070 horses drawing carriages. On the boulevard des Italiens, 10,750. Boulevard Poissonnier, 7,720. Boulevard Saint-Denis, 9,609. Boulevard des Filles de Cavert, 5,856. General average of the above, 8,600. Rue de Faubourg, Saint Antoine, 4,300. Avenue de Champs-Élysées, 8,959. At London, in Pall Mall, opposite Her Majesty's Theatre, there pass at least 800 carriages every hour. On London Bridge, the number of vehicles passing and repassing is not less than 13,000 every hour. On Westminster Bridge, the annual traffic amounts to 8 million horses at the least. By this it will be seen that the traffic in Paris does not amount to one half of what it is in the streets of London. End quote. Of the dust and dirt of the streets of London We have merely to reflect upon the vast amount of traffic just shown to be daily going on throughout London, to think of the 70 million miles of journey through the metropolis annually performed by the entire vehicles which is more than two-thirds the distance from the earth to the sun, to bear in mind that each part of London is on the average gone over and over again 40,000 times in the course of the year, and some parts as many as 13,000 times in a day, and that every horse and vehicle by which the streets are traversed are furnished, the one with four iron-bound hooves and the other with iron-bound wheels, to have an imperfect idea of the enormous weights and friction continually operating upon the surface of the streets, as well as the amount of grinding and pulverising and wear and tear that must be perpetually taking place in the paving-stones and macadamised roads of London, and thus we may be able to form some mental estimate as to the quantity of dust and dirt annually produced by these means alone. But the table in pages 186 to 187, which has been collected at great trouble, will give us still more accurate notions on the subject. It is not given as perfect, but as being the best information in the absence of positive returns that was procurable even from the best informed. Here, then, we have an aggregate total of dust collected from the principal parts of the metropolis, amounting to no less 
than 141,466 loads. The value of this refuse is said to be as much as £21,221, 8 shillings. But of this and more I shall speak hereafter. At present I merely seek to give the reader a general notion upon the matter. I wish to show him, before treating of the labourers engaged in the scavenging of the London streets, the amount of work they have to do. End of section 34